Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 4, coming to the end of this letter. Are we all there? Say amen if you are. Okay, I want to actually back it up. Let, let's get a running start at this, because we're only going to do five verses today. I was going to do the whole chapter, but gosh, there is so much in there. And it's good for us just to stop and kind of chew on it, because we need this. And so, um, back yourselves up to chapter 3. Verse 14, and we'll begin there and read through chapter 4, verse 5. You ready? You guys ready? Okay. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word, Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. In other words, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray. Father, thank You for just this important part of Scripture, Lord God, where You share with us Your desires for us and why we're here, how we're to occupy till You come, Lord God, how we're to be out in the streets sharing the Gospel, how we're to be serving in the church, how we're to be ministering to our families, how we're to be giving of ourselves unto You and to the people of God and to the ministry. And so, Lord God, give us strength that only You can do by the power of the Holy Spirit to change us on the inside and give us a heart to want to do everything that You have for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Wow. The title of this message is Fulfill Your Ministry. Every one of you has a calling. Every one of you has been called by God. But not everybody's answering the call. You're saved. You're born again. You're going to heaven. But we will be rewarded in heaven for our works down here. We are not saved by works. We're saved by faith. In Jesus Christ and what He did. He did it all. we got nothing to add to the cross. He did it all. We just accepted the gift. Accepted the fact that He's Lord. He's Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. And if we receive the gift of salvation, we have eternal life. And so when we acknowledge that and we said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe You're everything who You are. Save me. We were born again at that moment. By faith, not by our efforts. But you as a Christian will have your works judged, won't have anything to do with salvation, but it'll have everything to do with rewards. Crowns, gold and silver, 
precious gems, stuff that we can throw at the feet of Jesus and say, look what you did. I don't know about you, but I, I want something to show for it when I get there. And God has given all of you guys a ministry. Every one of you has a calling. Every one of you has gifts. I, I'm, I'm going to go so far out there to say, I think you got more than one gift. Are you using it for the glory of God? I think every believer has at least three ministries. There's a ministry to your family. There's a ministry to your church. And there's a ministry to the community to get the gospel out, to witness, and to be a light for the Lord Jesus Christ, to win souls. That ministry is one of the most important ministries out there. See, because many people are good at ministering to their family. You know, praying with their family, teaching your kids, training them up in the ways of the Lord so when they're older they won't depart. And they're really good at their ministry with family, but then they just come to church and they just sit. God doesn't want that. The Word of God wants you to not only minister to your family, but to get involved in church. To minister in the church. Then there's other people that are really good at ministering in the church. They're on fire. They're doing all kinds of things in the church but they've neglected your family. You can't do that. You can't do that. Then there are folks that are really good at ministering to their family. They're really good at serving in the church, but they're a little timid and afraid to go out there and reach the, commu the community. You can't do that. That's one of the biggest things. That, that's the mission field. You say you can't go to Africa, you can't go to Philippines. Hey, North Shore, hello, mission field. Lost and dying world, they need Jesus. And you might be the only Bible they ever read. And they're looking to you to share the light of God. Are you willing? And so the message today is going to kind of like, you know, it's, it's going to be a little kick in the pants. Are you serving God? Are you giving to God? Are you ministering to your family? Are you ministering at the church? Are you ministering in the community? That's, that's a real challenge. And, and when you talk about these things, you know, a lot of times people go, you know what, pastor's putting a guilt trip on me. I am not putting a guilt trip on you. We don't need any more guilt trips. We have enough of them, right? The world puts guilt trips on us. We don't need that. But listen, I got to tell you this. The Bible has every right to tell me when I'm wrong. And sometimes, this is the beauty. If you're visiting today, we go through the Bible. Book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You're just here. You happen to be here at 2 Timothy chapter 4. First five verses, and you're going to get a little kick in the pants. But I love you, and God loves you. This is not my opinion. It's God's opinion. We are called to serve the true and living God. It's our reasonable service. It's, it should be a no-brainer, Right? How do we serve Him? We serve Him in our giving and in our service in the church and our service out in the community. Now, whenever you talk about giving, people get a little upset and they get a little weirded out. And I understand because giving has been abused in the church at large today. There's those groups that are out there just begging for money. We never beg for money here, but the importance of giving is there. God calls us to give. You say, well, how should I give? Well, you know, I'll tell you what. For me, a tenth is a great place to start. I give a tenth. And if I give anything above that, it's like an offering. But that's Old Testament. 
New Testament says give according to your ability. What does that mean? If you don't got nothing, God doesn't expect a whole lot from you. We'll be helping you. But if you have a whole bunch, like let's say, let's say you make $100 million a year, and you say, well, I'm going to give God 10%. Well, praise the Lord, 10 million is a lot. But you have the ability to actually give more. Because if you can't live off $90 million a year, you're messed up. I, I honestly think you could be like the Quaker Oats guy who said, Lord, I'm starting this business and I'm going to give you 90% and I'll take the 10% and he made millions. I mean, you could give 90 million a year and live off 10 million. I think you'd still be living pretty large. The problem is we don't think it's from God. We think we earned it. Yeah, I got my money because I'm so this and that. And boy, by the sweat of my brow, I worked hard and I didn't give up. And I, I, that's the problem. You need an eye exam. You're so focused on what you did. Listen, if, if I get $100, $10 is Jesus. That's just me. I just figure, Lord, you know, hey, I need 100 bucks. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 100 bucks. I said, Lord, I'll pay you back this week. Pay you on Sunday. He says, okay, just pay me 10. That's a pretty sweet deal. Right? You guys are looking at me like, this is not a conversation we want to have right now, is it? <laughs> but that's how it is. So for me to say that I earned it with the sweat of my brow because I'm just so this and I got the wisdom to do it, here's the thing. Who gave you the ability to do the job? God. Who gave you the health to sweat upon your brow? God. Who gave you the wisdom to do the job? God. Who gave you the opportunity to have the job? God. Give him what's his. Give him what's his. When it comes to serving, this is the one that's going to hurt. We need to serve. God wants you not only ministering to your family, he wants you ministering in the church. That's the word of God. He wants us to get in the game. Church is like the Super Bowl. You got 20 people on the field that need a rest and 20,000 fans in the stands that need to get up and do something. God's trying to ignite his bride to get in the game. And I'll tell you what, I know you guys are busy, but you got to make time for God. And if you make time for God, you will receive a blessing that you will not have room to receive because he will pour out a blessing when he sees your faithfulness and your giving of your time and of your substance. And I'm not talking this to like guilt trip you, but to get you in the game to be blessed. God's got blessings for you but you're still trying to do it all your own way. And you can sit here today and you can justify why you're not doing those two things, but it ain't going to matter because God sees right through it. It's still your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's not His kingdom come. His will be done. Got to surrender the kingdom. I got to kill Steve's kingdom. Steve Rex. My name means king, Rex. Crown king, Stephen Rex. Crown king. I got to kill my kingdom and embrace His kingdom. He loves you so much. we got to remember, it's all about Him. He gets all the glory. See, if you start doing things and patting yourself on the back, you're now stealing His glory. And the Bible says God will not share His glory with another. 
He gets all the glory. It's all about him. Your business, your ministry, your serving, your gifts, your talents. Because it's really easy for me to get up here and preach a message and, and people get excited and then hands raise and get saved. It's really easy to go, wow, I was, I was on fire today. Man, did you see all those folks? That, did you hear when they applauded? That was awesome. And all those hands went up and they got saved. And I could start buying into my own hype and forgetting I didn't do anything. God gets all the glory. I'll tell you what, I, before the, I get up here every week, I am afraid. I am fearful. I don't want to get up here by myself. I, 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 I need him with me. I need him to come up here and to speak to you. I need to get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to move and to speak in me through you. And I pray that's what's taking place. I want you to hear from Lord, from the Lord and not from me. You know, in the Bible, David said, I'm not going to give God anything that didn't cost me something. That's good for all of us. Your time costs you. Even your giving. If it didn't cost you anything, then, then it, you know, it's like, do you really want to just give God scraps? I don't. I mean, think about it. If you made $10,000 in a week and you threw a 20 in the offering, that didn't cost you anything. Some of you have been thinking about serving for a long time in the church, getting involved in ministry. God wants you involved. But we, we put it off. We say, you know what, uh, I, I will. You know what, 2024, I'm going to start. I'm going to get involved in church. Listen, here's the question you've got to ask yourselves. Listen to me carefully. What would this church look like if everybody in the church was just like you? What would this church look like if everybody served like you? What would the church look like if everybody gave like you give? What would the church look like if everybody read their Bible like you read your Bible? What would the church look like if everybody prayed like you pray? Well, let's go deeper. What would the church look like if everybody loved like you love? And what would the church look like if everybody forgave like you forgive? I think if we honestly examine our hearts, I know me, I, I need a little work. How about you? I need a little work. We could do better. I can do better. We can all do better. I mean, we should strive for excellence. Yes, Lord, I know I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not what I should, should be. And I want, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do your will. I want to be like Paul. Here's Paul writing a letter just before he dies, before he's beheaded. And instead of talking about himself, he's, he's encouraging us. Yeah, I'm about to die. I fought the good fight. I ran my race. I kept the faith. I finished well. Can we say that at the end of our life? That we ran the race, that we finished the race, that we fought the good fight, that we kept the faith, we did all that we could. This week was a real challenge for me, looking at all of this. I guess what you really need to understand is the only things that are going to last in eternity is what you do for Jesus now. Not your business not how much money you got, not how many toys you got, 
but what you actually did with an honest, true heart of giving of yourself, of your substance to help others because it was the right thing to do, not to be seen by men, not to get an applaud. Wow, look how much he gave. Oh, not to get an applause. Look at how godly he is. But you did it because it was the right thing to do. Because God's worth it. I think what's happened today is... um, the church has lost their urgency. I mean, do you, do you, do you actually, dri- I don't know about, do you drive through town and just go, Lord, I pray for that person. Lord, I pray for that person. Do, do you got like a burden for people? You just know they need Jesus. You could tell. That's, that's what God wants. He wants us to have that burden. So when you're out there, you're not just comfortable saying hi to someone, but you, you want to you wanna interact. You want to you say, hey, how you doing? Man, the Lord loves you. That's why those shirts are so great, those Jesus Freak shirts. It just opens the door. Jesus Freak, what's that all about? Let me tell you, God loves you. We have to have an urgency to get the gospel out. And and let's just focus on Kilauea. And when we're done here, we'll move to Anahola and Princeville and down to Honolulu. You know what I'm saying? All right, I got one. There's somebody there that's with me. We can take this place for the Lord Jesus Christ and give people hope. It's not about your works. It's about your heart. It's about transformation. It's about trusting in the true and living God. But we need to stop kidding ourselves that I can do it tomorrow or I can do it next week. There needs to be an urgency on your heart to live for Jesus today. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to read you this story. Uh, this story I heard this story a long time ago, but I, I think it, it could be helpful. It may help you to understand what I'm trying to say. This story is told, listen carefully, of a meeting that was held with Satan and his demons. And they were trying to figure out a way to trick people into eternal damnation. And one demon said, I've got a plan. Let's whisper in the people's ear that there is no God. No, Satan said. Creation declares the reality of God. People are too smart to deny His existence. A few idiots might be sucked in, but not the masses. I've got it, said the second demon. We'll say there's no hell. No, said Satan. People innately understand that there's a need for retribution and judgment. People won't buy that. The third demon said, let me suggest how we might trick them. Instead of saying no God or no hell, we'll just say no hurry. That's it, Satan said gleefully, and he commissioned the demons to go throughout the world whispering no hurry. Uh, that's not just for people that don't know Jesus, but I think that's for people that know Jesus. You know, for people that don't know Jesus, the, if you're, and you, I know you guys have witnessed this when you've talked to somebody and shared about Jesus, and they said, you know what, that's good for you. And you know what, I've got some things I want to do. Maybe down the road I might, you know, do that. But, you know, right now it's me, and I know maybe I need to change. But, you know, down the road I might do that. You might not have a down the road. You might go out on the road and be roadkill today. And then what are you going to do? You're going to be separated from the true and living God for all eternity. 
But I think this is also a good wake up to uh, believers who are hearing the enemy whisper in their ear, no hurry. Ah, sign up next year. Ah, you know what? You can give next week. You know what? There's enough people serving in the church. There's no hurry. Can you imagine what church would be like if everybody in church was like the Apostle Paul? Think about it. Oh my goodness. Or if they were like John, the Apostle. If they were like Peter. Can you imagine? I tell you what, we would lock down this whole island probably within a month. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing is, is some of you are sitting there thinking, listen, I'm no Billy Graham, I'm no Apostle Paul, I'm no John the Baptist. I, I, you know, I can't do those things. Those guys were born with like stars over their crib. No, they weren't. The only thing that is different from you and the Apostle Paul is that he wanted it more. He wanted more Jesus. This, is, this message is for me, guys. I need to step up my game. I, I, this is all about me i got to step up my game. Whatever your game is, is between you and the Lord. But I, I, I just feel like God's bringing this message to stir us up. And we need to be stirred up. Many have lost the sense of urgency, and many Christians have lost sight of what their ministry is. And, and haven't, got it, haven't even started their ministry, or are not fulfilling their ministry, or at one point were doing their ministry, but now they've backed off, and we've gotten lukewarm or cold. God wants you on fire for Him. Everything we do should be for Him. And if you think that it's going to take too much time away, I'll tell you what, He will give you the time to get the other things done. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Everything else is going to be added unto you. Don't think like that. Get in the game. Watch Him do amazing things in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go, man, this is a lot easier than I thought. Because I'm not doing it. He's doing it through me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 2 Peter. I've got to read this to you. But also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly unto everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Get in the game. Get in the game. He says there in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I charge you. He's talking to Timothy, but he's talking to the church of Ephesus, and he's talking to us. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the quick and the dead. That's old King James. For the, will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. 
There's a couple things going on here. At his appearing is a reference to the rapture. Did you know you and I will be judged? Not for the, the sense of salvation. That's already settled. We're sealed. We're going to heaven. But God's going to judge us according to our works to see how much we gave of ourselves to him. And, and our works is going to be shown by there's going to be gold and silver, wood, hay, and stubble. It'll be put in the fire, and the fire will tell if your motives were for Jesus or if your motives were to be seen by man or to get a little pat on the back or to uh, have power and authority. What were your motives? If your motives were pure and they were for Jesus in your giving and in your serving, you're going to receive gold and silver. You're going to receive crowns. Uh, and, and if your motives weren't right, it's all going to burn up. See, Jesus is coming any moment. And the question is, what do we have to show for it? So when he says that he's going to judge the living and the dead, at his appearing speaks of the rapture that will be caught up in the clouds. Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the sound of a trump. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We that are alive and remain will be caught up into the clouds with him. And then we'll go before what we call the Bema Seat of Christ where he will judge our motives and our works. Romans 14.10 says, but, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The word in the Greek is bima, means judgment. The bima seat of Christ. This is not about salvation. It's about what you did for Jesus. Don't you want to have a lot to show for what you did for Jesus when you're here? I know you do. I know you do, but you need a little encouragement to come on, get in the game. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, he says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is, if anyone's work which has built on this endures he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire so if you did nothing for jesus you're going to make it into heaven your pants are going to be smoking but you're not going to have anything to show for it and while everybody's throwing their crowns and saying look what you did you got there but i don't know i don't want to enter in like that 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. In other words, I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus one day, and he's going to try my works. And he's going to try my motives. And you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, Steve, were you faithful in your giving? Were you faithful in your serving? Were you faithful in your preaching? Were you faithful in your witnessing? And frankly, I'm going to have to say, I don't, I don't know. Just, I guess, throw it in the fire. Let's see. Because you know what? I, I'm just being honest with you. I think sometimes I've done things with the wrong motive. Oh, good things, godly things. But maybe with the wrong motive. 
You know, there's a little something, I think, in every one of us that if, if we do something really good for Jesus and, and somebody sees it and goes, wow, that was awesome, we kind of go, I know. I, I'm trying to get rid of that. You know, like, whenever I think about fasting and praying that we're supposed to do that, we're supposed to fast and pray, did you know that? And it, but here's the thing, every time I think about fasting and praying, I, I think, man, I'm going to shed a few pounds while I do this. This is going to be awesome, you know? And then I got to go, oh, Lord, you know what? I don't even want to fast and pray now because I know all I'm thinking about is losing a few pounds and then it's just going to be, it's not going to be the right motive. And, and then I got to a place where I said, you know what, Lord, here, I get it. I, you know, I know it's the right thing to do. I'm just going to fast and pray. I know my heart is I'm going to shed some pounds too. Uh, you know, however you want to receive it, whatever. I just know this is the right thing to do. And just start there. So there's going to be this judgment for the believer. Not about salvation, but for our efforts that we did for the Lord Jesus. But then there's going to be a judgment of the living at the end of the tribulation. So, you know, at the end of the tribulation, when God judged a Christ-rejecting world, and He puts down the enemy... He's going to cast Satan into hell for a, a thousand years and then he's going to uh, take care of the false prophet and the Antichrist. But he's going to have that big battle in Armageddon and then he's going to call before he enters into the, the kingdom, sets up his kingdom, he's going to call forth all the people that survived the tribulation, there's going to be believers and unbelievers that survived. And I think there's like a, a 40, 45 day spot in between the end of the tribulation and going into the kingdom as he calls everybody from the four corners, from the east, the west, the north, and the south. He brings them up and there's going to be a judgment call. He's going to judge the living. Now, there's going to be those that are saved like we know the 144,000, they'll be saved, they'll be there. There'll be those who, who were Gentiles or Jews who got saved and hid themselves and didn't get destroyed by the Antichrist. They didn't take the mark of the beast. But then there's going to be people that took the mark of the beast and people that didn't accept Jesus that hid themselves and survived it too. So let me read that to you. In Matthew 25, it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all His holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory, and the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another as the sheep divide His sheep from the, as a shepherd divides His sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, you gave Me drink. I was a stranger, you took Me in. I was naked and you clothed Me. I was sick and you visited Me. I was in prison and you came to Me. Then the righteous will answer Him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say unto you, insomuch as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Every time you give to the Lord of your time and of your substance and to other people, you're doing it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. 
Then he'll say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not take me in. I was naked, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will say and will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer to them, saying, Assuredly, I say unto you, insomuch as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. Wow, that's, that's heavy. There's going to be one more judgment, and that's going to be the end of the kingdom reign, and it's called the Great White Throne Judgment. And we find it in uh, Revelation 20, and it says this, The devil who deceived them is cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So eternal punishment is eternal. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, that's Jesus, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in these books. Then the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were all judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone that's not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name in the book of life? What's the book of life? What's the Lamb's book of life? What's these other books? You know, in Malachi chapter 3, there's a book of remembrance for every time we think about the Lord. It's recorded. Is that crazy? Think of all the times you thought about the Lord or shared Jesus with somebody. That's all recorded. I, I would be so psyched to see all you guys have a huge library when you get there of just thinking of God. But there's these other books. There's these books that have the records of people's sins at the great white throne. When they said, I didn't do that, he's going to go, roll the video. <laughs> oh, did I do that? There's a book of life. There's a Lamb's book of life. And there's this stuff where you see where it says it, that he blotted out their name from the book of life. So you think blotting out their name implies that their name was at one time in there. Right? So here's, here, here's the... Here's my view. Everybody who's a human being has been given life by God. You're in the book of life. Your name's there. But at one point in your life, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, your name is transferred over to the Lamb's book of life. Copy, paste, right? Boom. You're in the book of life. Now you're in the Lamb's book of life. If you aren't a believer and you do the unpardonable sin and at one point in your life there's no more talking to you and you reject Jesus Christ, your name is blotted out of the book of life and you never make it to the Lamb's book of life. Does that make sense? Where are you at? Are you in the book of life? Are you in the Lamb's book of life? He says, 
I charge you, Timothy, I, I, I command you. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, what's he charged us to do? Preach the word. Preach the word of God. Be ready in season and out of season to reproof, to convince, to rebuke, to exhort with all long suffering and teaching. We're commanded to, to preach. You say, well, I don't know the Bible like you do. Just give your testimony. Start there. Just tell someone how you got saved and about the love of God. Preach the truth. Preaching is for the lost. Teaching is for the saved. When you come here on Sunday, I'm teaching the Word of God, but I always like to slip in a little preaching because I don't know if somebody's here that doesn't know Jesus. Preaching is for the lost, and teaching is for the saved, so you need to preach the Word. He encourages us to do that. In season and out. What does that mean? That means, listen, if somebody you know, says, hey, I got somebody over here, I need you to share with them, so you prepare a little bit and you go over there and you're ready for them. But there's going to be times where you're not ready. There's, there's been times when I've been out and, and like the pastor didn't show up or something, and they're like, hey, can you teach? And you're like, okay. You got to be ready in season and out. You got to have something in your back pocket. You got to be ready to have an answer for every man. And, and he says for us to preach the word, to be ready in season and out, and to reproof. The word is convince. What's that mean? That means like if, if I see that you've kind of bought into some weird kind of uh, doctrine, I, I'm going to convince you with the word of God uh, to get back on track. I'm going to show you through the Word of God that where you're going is in the wrong direction. That's not of God. Here's the truth. And so that's what reproof means, to convince them, to get them back on track. And then there's rebuke. Rebuke's never easy, right? You, you, know, you know when you need to rebuke somebody? That's never easy to do. Because now you've got to go and you basically, you've got to threaten them. You need to stop what you're doing or you're out. That's never easy. And it always gets passed off to me. And then he says exhort, and that means to encourage us with patience, long-suffering, and teaching. I'm to, today's like an exhortation. It's a little kick in the pants. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really strong about this, that we need to get in the game. We need to give God everything that we have. We need to encourage. And I guess the question is today is, and this is for you, I don't know. Are you really His? Are you really His? Because when I read this stuff, I see I fall short. But I want to do better, and I think that's the key. Do you want to do better? Then you're on the right track. But if you don't want to do better, i got to ask you, are you really His? Because there's a lot of Christians who basically just want to do what they want and go to heaven. There's a lot of churches today that aren't teaching sound doctrine. They're not teaching the whole counsel of God. They're not teaching the truth. Look what it says there in verse 3 and 4. 
It says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to fables. Man, is that happening today? Do you know that most churches aren't teaching through the Bible? Now, I'm not saying they're not good churches, and I'm not saying they don't love Jesus. But do you understand what the real danger of that is? When you're not teaching the whole counsel of God? You know what the danger is when you have 20,000 people attending your church at a stadium and you won't talk about sin, you won't talk about sexual immorality, you won't talk about hell? You're just fattening them up for the slaughter. Because if people don't understand through the Word of God that the sin they have in their life needs to stop, they're headed for disaster. Because God doesn't want us to live in our sin. And so the, the real question is, if your sin doesn't bother you, then you're probably not His. You could sit in here week after week after week after week after year after year. If your sin doesn't bother you, I don't think you're His. My sin bothers me. It bothers me. And it hits me. It blindsides me. It's, it's, it's crazy how easy it is to sin. Isn't it? Everybody's kind of looking at me like they don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> is it just me? Because I'm your pastor. <laughs> Pray for me. I'm human. There's so much garbage going on out there in the church today where they're appointing people and starting churches with people that should never be in ministry because of their sin. But you know, here's the thing. Like I was saying before, there's so many people that are so-called Christians that want to live their life any way they want and still go to heaven. And so you got these churches that cater to that and, and the churches that will embrace sexual immorality and embrace certain sin and, and embrace this or that and appoint leaders who are caught up in these sins and just say, God loves us all. Wow, that's not of God. That's somebody with itching ears that just wants to live in their sin and live like hell, but they want to go to heaven and they're deceiving themselves and the Lord's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. But Lord, I went to Calvary Chapel. I don't know you. I knew Pastor Steve really well. I don't know you. It's not about not about me it's not about this church it's about your relationship with the lord jesus christ that's what's important let me let me tell you a couple of things here god told jeremiah some will listen for a while but then they won't listen at all i feel like that sometimes in church that some will listen for a while and then they won't listen at all my heart breaks when I see people coming and going and coming and going. I just wear it on my sleeve. I just like, did I say something wrong? Did I offend them? And you know what? And God had to tell me, he says, Steve, that's not your problem. Who comes and goes, that, not your deal. Your job is to deliver the message. That's it. I go, okay, made it easier for me. But I still have that shepherd's heart. I'm like, I'm, 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 I, want, I want to be a blessing to you guys. I want, to, I want to think that maybe you guys are growing by, by the teaching of the Word of God. I want, to, I want to be there for you. I want to see you just rise up 
to see you go forward for Jesus like never before. I want to I just experience you growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. God told Ezekiel in Ezekiel 33, He said, Indeed, you are to them a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well the instrument, but they hear your words, but they're not going to do them. In Amos, God tells us, listen, there's not, a, there's not a, a famine of the Word of God. There's a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. You know, the Word of God is out there like never before. I mean, it's like never before, guys. How many have more than one Bible? Wow, you guys are awesome. And you got your phone, Bible apps, and your iPad, and your computer. I mean, we got all kinds of stuff going on. It is out there like ever before, but he said there's going to come a day where there's not going to be a famine of the Word, but a famine of the hearing of the Word. People don't want to hear truth anymore. They just want their ears tickled. They want to know that I can live in my sin and God will still take me to heaven. That's not a true conversion. That's not a true transformed life. You should hate your sin. Let me read to you um, something. Because we're in a time of a so-called church not wanting sound doctrine, not wanting healthy doctrine, but they want to substitute. And I want to read you something. We're almost done. Warren Wearsby said this. He said they want religious entertainment. They want Christian performers to tickle their ears. We have a love for novelty today. Emotional movies, foot-tapping music, colored lights, etc. The man who simply opens the Bible is rejected. Why the shallow religious entertainer becomes a celebrity. And verse 4 indicates that itching ears will soon become deaf ears as people turn away from the truth and believe man-made fables. So the Word of God says there in verse 5, But you... Be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. We have the ability to change the world, guys. We have the ability to change Kauai. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. We need to get in the game. So the question here that I want to close with is how can I encourage Christians to give and to serve and to fulfill their ministry? I can only do it by the Word of God. In Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's the answer right there. Paul says, I beg you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present yourself a living sacrifice. You're a living sacrifice. The problem is a living sacrifice can crawl off the altar. Stay on it. He, says, he said there in verse 5 that you're going you're to go through afflictions. I get it. Serving God is not easy. He, he told us back in chapter 3 that all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's part of the game. And, and when you're being attacked, know this, you're on the right track. 
It's not comfortable. It's not fun. But you're on the winning team. And He's going to see you through it. So present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And this is why we do it. The next part says this. Because it's your reasonable service. Man, I'm done. The worship team will come forward. Listen, this is our reasonable service because why? Because of all that He has done for us. Amen? Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the opportunity to deliver these words of encouragement. Lord God, would You give us strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to live for You. To give not only of ourselves, but of our substance. To understand that we need to fulfill our ministry at home. Fulfill our ministry at church. Fulfill our ministry out in the community. And you will give us exactly what we need to do that. Because that's how great you are. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus. And you're not saved. But you understand now why you need to be saved. I want you to pray this in your heart. Ready? Lord, I believe you died for me. To pay for my sins on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. That your offering was accepted. And so I come to you now. Humbly. And ask for forgiveness of my sins. And ask you to save me. Save me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that, would you just lift up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. You are now a child of God. You are saved by faith. Now I just pray for you quickly and for all of you. Lord, anoint us afresh with the Holy Spirit to go out and be ambassadors for you, Lord Jesus Christ, to be a light that shines bright in darkness that when people see our good works, they will glorify you, not us, but you, because you are worthy of our praise and to be glorified. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship.